Amazing, eh? What a week, what an outreach, how fabulous that was. I just want to honour my wife, Ruth, as one of the organisers. All the hard work and uh, organising it, and uh, she's done really well. I'm really proud of you, Ruth, what you've done there, and, but with the whole team as well. I want to honour all of you for just putting in and being part of that Easter outreach. It was fabulous. Our community needs us, believe it or not. Our community needs us. Those lights are bright, aren't they? Praise God. Well, I hope you remember about uh, making disciples and growing in God. That's the, the very purpose of why we're here, and we're going to keep reminding you of that. And it's great to have you here with us this morning. I personally enjoy coming together with the people of God and just praising and worshipping the Lord and just enjoying His love and His presence among His saints, among His people. He loves us with a passion. Praise God. And uh, one of those songs that we sung, that said, love, 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 and then it's everything, well, and then it said everything you've done, done, done. Love. Love is so important. Everybody needs love. I wonder if you could turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. Hey, that was pretty easy. I thought some people would find it difficult to say, I love you, maybe. Some people here are just so in love, they're even going to sleep on each other's shoulders. It's amazing. How about I tell you, I love you. Come on, you can do better than that. Watch my lips. Are you right? Read my lips. I actually didn't say I love you. I said olive juice. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. The Lord loves you. I read this love letter, you know, and it says, Dear Jimmy, no words can ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> praise God. The Lord's love is not quite like that. And praise God that your love for Excite is not like that. And your love for Christ, when I say excite, I'm not talking about the structure of a church, I'm speaking about the congregation. The body of Christ, your love for the body of Christ is not just self-seeking. And your love for Christ is not like that. Just coming along for the freebies and all that you can get. You know why your love isn't like that? It's because the love of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, is not like that. And it's because the Lord has put this uh, one phrase on my heart this week, and it is there in Ephesians 5, and it'll be coming up behind me, uh, and it'll say, it's 5 and 25, it says, husbands love your wives, but this is the phrase, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's that phrase, Christ loved the church. Not the building with a steeple with corrugated iron on the roof, made out of carry 100 years ago, or 200 years ago. He loves the church, that which has come from his selfless sacrifice and has been formed uh, by his giving of himself for it. And that's been ringing in my ears this week. Christ loves the church. Christ 
loves the church. Did you know Christ loves the church? Did you know that Jesus loves the church, my friend, my brother, my sister? Did you know Jesus loves the church? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I want to tell you, Christ loves the church. I know you might come along to church and be interested in what you can get and who's speaking, and I hope it's not Paul again preaching this Sunday. He's so boring. But did you know that Christ loved the church? And he gave himself a selfless sacrifice for the church. I like what Steve's been sharing in the offering about the sacrifice that David made when he offered, and he wanted it to cost him something. And you need to know the fact that we live here, dance here, breathe here in freedom, liberty, life, power, and glory in Christ. It'd be great to have some water too. Keeps me pumped up. <laughs> it's because of a great sacrifice that our Lord made for us. It has changed my life. I am so pleased that I know the Lord. I am so blessed to walk through life with my Lord. To know that His love is unconditional. His love is sacrificial. There's nothing that would hold Him back. He loves me. The Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, He loves you. And I love you. Not just olive juice, I love you. That's why I'm here on a Sunday. Sometimes you might think, I wonder if he does. But sometimes actions speak louder than words. We said love, love, love in that son song, but then we said done, done, done. And he could say, I love you, but because we look back to the cross and see the sacrifice he gave, we know that he loves us. It's not just some concept of the mind or some empty words. His actions speak so loudly. Christ loves the church. Your Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has changed your life and is still changing your life and walking, I hope you're walking through life with Him. He loves the church. And my question to you, my friend, is do you love the church? Do you love the church? Do you love it enough to make a sacrifice to be here no matter what on a Sunday. Fishing, church. Oh, I've got some visitors coming. Any excuse? Are you here? Jesus said, with two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. You know, the body doesn't go off all disjointed. We'll leave our arm home fishing, and the feet will go off for a walk or a run or go to the gym. No, no, we go together. And when we're together, it says in the Word how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it speaks in Psalm 133 of it and how that it's like the Jew of Hermon it's coming down on the high priest who's anointed with the oil. It's like the oil coming down on the high priest's bed and down to the hem of his garment. It's like the Jew that comes down. And it says, even there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. It's when we dwell together in unity. But that unity is found in our Savior. It's not something that we conjure up outside of Christ and we work on becoming more and more unified. If we're walking in relationship with the Lord, appreciating the sacrifice that He's given for us, 
and making a sacrifice for others and valuing others better than ourselves, we'll be walking in unity with those who love Christ. And it doesn't matter what church they're in, what country they're in, what nation. Praise his name. Christ loves the church. Most marriages today are simply partnerships of convenience instead of covenants and service. They are, they are focused often on treating each other as equals instead of treating each other as Christ. See, marriage was a, supposed to be that the man, like it says in Genesis 2, you know, back in the beginning, Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, when God instituted marriage, Adam was alone and he, and he, made, he, he put Adam into a deep sleep. That's like a picture to us of the, the, the deep sleep that Christ went into at the cross when he laid his life down. And he took, he took a rib out of the man and formed the woman. It says in, Revelation, uh, in Genesis sorry, 20, uh, 2, verse 23 and 24, and when he brought it, the woman back to Adam, he says, now this is bone of my bones. You couldn't hate yourself, could you? Christ loves the church, which is his body. Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. His is perfect humanity. Doesn't need to be improved. It is totally holy. And Adam said to Eve, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Just like the church was taken out of Christ. It's formed. It's a mystery. You can't necessarily see it with the natural eyes. It's not the building and it might not even be everyone in this place or it might be. It's more. But he loves the church. And it says something here. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Why didn't it say that the woman should leave her mum and dad and come and be joined to the husband if he was going to be the head of the home? Eh? Did you ever think about that? Why did, the, why did the man have to lose his identity and go over to join his wife, the woman? Because it's like Christ coming from heaven and making a self-sacrifice. Laying down his life. And that's what we're called to do. I'm called to lay my life down for Ruth. Not to make demands on her. I'm called to serve her. Husbands love your wife. Paul never said in Ephesians, women love your husbands as Christ loved. No, no, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself. Sacrificial love. Not I love you. It's so easy to roll it off the tongue. I love you. Love is an action. No, I'll bite my tongue. No, I will serve. Yeah, I see things differently, but I'm going to lay down my own life. I'm here to lay my life down for Ruth, for my family, for the church, just as Christ laid his life down for me. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're called men. Is there any men out there? Come on. Time to man up. You know, we're not going to put on some boxing gloves and have, have a, a, a fight it out. We're going to put on some sacrificial love and lay our lives down. You know, turn the other cheek. Come on, that's why we're men. We can do that. We're authorized to do that. So in the, in the, in the deep sleep, when you lay your life down, and when Christ, the self-life is gone. That's why it's so important that we come and see that we've been crucified with Christ, but we've been raised up. 
And we sing these songs like the death couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't hold him. And he's sowing his life. He's like the seed that fell into the ground and it's not abiding alone. It's brought forth much fruit because out of death, he was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in Christ. He's brought a great lot of people to God through what he has done, through that one seed that's been sown. And so we glory in that. Christ loves the church. I'm going to repeat that. I want that to stick with you today. Your Lord loves the church. Do you? Your Lord loves the church. If you get no other phrase from this message today, that one phrase will be a help. Thank you, Lord. So Christ loves the church. Now, anxiety, sin, and pride. Have we got... Yeah, there we go. Anxiety. Okay. Sin and pride. All have I in the center. Not sure what's happening there. Those three words. All have I in the center. I don't think it's a coincidence. Anxiety. I is right in the middle of it. The letter I. Pride. I is right in the middle of it. Sin. I is, well, it's just self. And that's why we often get troubled through life. We get anxious. It's all about me and my ability instead of walking by faith in Christ. So we can let self go and we can trust in the Lord and we can walk in Him day by day. He loves us. He will care for us. He has promised that. He's laid His life down for us. You know, when I was a child, I was brought up on a farm. Eight kids, mum and dad, they made ten, big family. No TV. Where did that come from? Get over it, Paul. It's going to be all right. I tell you what, some of, one of the highlights of my life was when it came to haymaking season. Because everybody got involved. The whole family, even my three, three sisters. They could roll, they might not be able to pick the bales up like us and throw them up, you know, above your head, but they'd roll them. Mind you, some of my sisters could pretty much. <laughs> they could do more than roll them. They're quite strong. I remember the, the most bales we ever baled one year was close to 10,000 on our farm. One little family on the mudflats by the river. Not a good farm, but pretty rough farm. But the biggest hay crop, you know. And, and we carted most of that hay about five kilometers away to our runoff. And Dad built this great big barn with poles and we stored it in there. But it was a, it was a highlight of my life. All working together. That's what families do. That's what we do here at, here at Excite, isn't it? Because we love one another. We're, we're willing to lay our lives down for each other because in doing so, we're doing it for Christ. Because he loves the church. He loves that awkward brother or sister in the seat. Or that one that's not yet born again. That awkward, that awkward guy that stands up here and tries to preach a message. He loves me. Come on, that's a good word right there. Okay. You're getting into it. That's good. <laughs> Another time I liked, it was the same sort of thing. It was one night, I remember when we, with a big family, Dad built a sun porch. And the house was about that far off the ground, so we had to build this great big concrete flat pad with walls and concrete blocks. And we were out concreting to about midnight. And I got to stay up late. I was a young boy, and I had to shovel the concrete mixer full. And we all took part, and we went to midnight, and we got all that concrete laid just with one little concrete mixer and wheelbarrows not getting a concrete truck in. But I love being part of something that was bigger than me. And that's a highlight I've never forgotten. Like making hay. 
You can be part of, you are part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of the local church here. The Lord needs you. He needs you to be committed to Him. In His saints, we're His body. And by being committed to one another, you're committed to Him. Not just coming along wherever you feel like it. Think, oh, I haven't been for a while. I might go this week. And it's not just all about getting. It's about what you can give. What sacrifice you can make. That's what His body does. It's like, like Him. He just lays it all on the line. For His church, for our community, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's how the church will grow. It's by self-sacrifice. It's by following the example of our Lord. See, Christ didn't just love the church as an equal or as two friends who conveniently meet each other's need. Christ gave his life without requiring anything in return. So when we come along with our agenda and we say, well, I'll give that, but I'm actually looking for this. Very soon in a relationship, you're going to get disappointed. You know, that's not fair. You know, I've given this. And, and you know, and I always get treated that way. And Ruth doesn't have any respect for me, and it's terrible. And if she only knew what I felt like inside, and it's like, no, no, that's not going to make a marriage work. That will not make a church work. It's about loving the church, loving my wife as Christ loved the church, loving each other with that sacrificial love, wanting nothing in return. Because that's who we are in Christ. We are body of Christ. The church, which is his body. That's, that's what he loves. Not the old Adamic man. Not the old self-centered person. No, no, he, love, he loves the church, which is his body. Do you love the church? Come on, be honest. Do you really love the church? How far would your love take you? I know there's people in Excite here. We value them so much. They're so committed. Steve's one of them. There's many more. My wife's one of them. They love the church. They get knocked back. We get knocked back, but we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the Lord who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the least I could do is to have the same love and the same passion about the things he's passionate about. Christ loved the church. If you learn nothing else today, I want you to get this clear. Christ loves the church. So much. He's so passionate, he gave himself. He held nothing back. Held nothing back. Wow. But you won't be able to truly love the church unless you receive love. Because God is love. And if you think you can draw or conjure up love or something that looks like love from out of your own, well, you might end up unwell. <laughs> you might end up finding you have limited resources, limited patience, limited strength, and you might have anxiety, and you might feel like a failure. You might come up far short. I want you to know that you need to be connected with the love of God. There is nothing that you can do that makes God love you more. He just loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish in their own little selfish world, but they would have eternal everlasting life, the life of Christ. 
that that would be imbibed into them and that they'd look outside themselves and look off under Jesus. So there's nothing that would make God love you more. His love's unconditional. His love is sacrificial. His love is everlasting. His love is infinite. His love is perfect. Perfect love casts out fear. God loves us. When you're actually abiding in that love, it sets you free. It's, it really does. I can jump around up the front, look like an idiot. You know, I was brought up in such a conservative church, but now that I don't, I don't just know that God loves me in my Swede, and it's not a mental concept, but I actually experience the waves of God's love, it sets me free. Come on, preach it. It's good. You know, I, I love it. It is real. It's not something conjured up. Better felt than tell. Better experienced than just know about something. So Jesus says in John 13, he says in verse 34 and 5, and he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another a little bit. Help him, Jesus. Glory, I've got some help coming. That you love one another as I have loved you. By this he says, all men will know that you are my disciples when you have loved one for another. All men, all men, come on, all men will know that you are my disciples when you got that love. One for another, sacrificial love. Then he says, when it comes to us, do we really love him? It's a good question. It's good to rattle our cages. It's good to shake our thinking. It's good for us to evaluate where we're standing. He turns around and says in John 14 verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Oh, come on. What's the commandment? Well, there's not a whole lot of them. Just love one another as I've loved you. Love's commandment. Love's law. There's not a whole lot of laws anymore. We're under grace. Just, just love. Just love. And if you have that commandment and keep them, well, then you love me. But if, if it's all about you and your time, and maybe I can get along this morning, oh, I can't really make it. My hair's not, whatever, you know. <laughs> By this, he, what did he say? He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. That's what love for the church looks like. Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. He says, I will build my church in Matthew 16 and 18. And he says, the gates, all the power of hell will not prevail against it, will not Conquer it. Because the church, which is his body, he's going to build it by self-sacrifice. And if we're going to see Excite grow, I know you want to see Excite grow. You know you want to, we want to see our community impacted, lives changed. That's what it's going to take. We are a body. We are one in Christ. It's not going to take Ruth and I as leaders just to lay down our lives. Our finances. Our time. Our commitment. Our energy just to serve the church, without even being on a salary. Not that I'm bragging. I'm not doing it for that. I get enough reward from my Lord. But it's not just going to take that. It's going to take us all. I, I just want to share with you just how passionate Christ is about the church. Now, you know, I'm going to just change it up a notch here. I'm going into the second part of the message. You thought it was coming to a close, didn't you? <laughs> this year is a year of harvest. That's our theme for this year. We feel that the Lord has laid that on our hearts. And we want to go out into our community and harvest souls. 
So the first thing we've got to do is be sacrificial with our time. That's why I preached the first part of the message. But then we need to be, start to engage with people. And you might, might think this strange, but I haven't always found it easy to talk to people in the community. Sometimes if I'm talking about business, I can because I can relate there or talk about church. But not, not in all areas of life, believe it or not. When you're brought up on a farm without a, with a big family, without a TV, you're not allowed to play Saturday sports, you're never grown up in your teenage years of being part of a team, sometimes it takes, there's areas where there's difficulty. But I've actually found recently, and I know I've been sharing this with our leadership team, that we need to step out and really be committed in the way in which we approach our community. So I've encouraged them in a simple way. You know how we come in and do a high five? To take five people and hold them up high to God. Five people in the community, we can all do that and pray for them every day. And I've been doing that the last couple of months. And then I also take five people, maybe in my leadership team, maybe those close around me in relationship with me and pray for them every day. You can do more, more or less. The number's not relevant. But if we took five people and just prayed for them every day, I want to tell you, doors start opening. Doors actually start opening. Just yesterday I was asked to bless this house, one of the five that I pray for. And uh, the partner of the guy lost his, her dad last Saturday. And then they came back from burying the body in Rotorua. And yesterday they wanted me to go through the house and pray with them. And I'm building a relationship with them. And I was honored in that. So I was up 3 o'clock yesterday morning looking up about the Maori tapu and, and just wondering what the protocol was and just thinking it through. And I just went with the flow anyway, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Took some oil along because, you know, thought that this is significant of the Holy Spirit of God and it's His presence that we want to permeate this place. And, you know, it's really quite simple. But once you start praying, doors open. Do you know, Hebrews 1 verse 14, the last verse of that chapter. It's talking about Christ in Hebrews 1. I love that chapter, but I won't, get, I won't digress. But it's talking about the angels of God. And at the end of verse 14, it says this. It says, are they not all ministering spirits that are sent forth or released to be, let me read it, to be to, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Do you know that God is sending out his angels to minister to people who are not yet saved in our community? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation? God is so passionate. The Lord is so passionate about his church. He already has angels going out into the community ministering into people's lives. So when I've been praying and I turn up on the doorstep, I find people are just wanting to draw the Lord out of me. And I can just have an open door to witness into their lives because I'm praying for my high five, praying for people, holding them up every day. Also, I can go to them and say, I pray for you every day. Now, it's only the last couple of months I can do that. Or as to other leaders in, in the church here, or people I'm praying for, I pray for you every day. I remember one or two in the past telling me that, go back 10 years, and I thought, you pray for me every day? That's so precious. That's so, so awesome. Me, you're actually praying for me every day. So immediately we're putting value on their lives. 
People appreciate that. And, it's, and, it's, and it takes a deliberate exercise. Get up in the morning and pray for them every day. So Christ is so passionate. Christ loved the church. But the church is not all just in here. Some of them are yet to be saved, and they're going to be gathered in. And it's going to grow, and there's going to be a great many. Some of them have yet to experience the salvation that God has already won for them at the cross. As far as God's concerned, he's already done the work. He's already saved them. But they need to come into the enjoyment of it to actually, he's provided it all. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And then there's one last thing. What's, how's the time going? Who cares about the time? I've got four minutes. <clears throat> he loves the church. So, yeah. So, five who need the law, five who need to grow in God. Make disciples grow in God. But if we're going to go out there and converse with our community, I've thought we need to be a blessing. So, we've got the simple word is bless. Let's bless our community. So I've started to use this format, and I know Ruben's going to come up and share a testimony in a minute about it, and with the team. B-L-E-S-S. -S, bless. So we made a little acrostic. And so in conversation, I've just mentally got used to B-L-E-S-S. -S. So if I don't know what to talk to someone about, I'll just say, and it doesn't need to be in this order. For every conversation, is different. Sometimes you start right at the bottom at the S. But the B is for body. How are you going? How's your health? How's your wife? How's the kids? You see, it's a point of contact. It's simple. It's something we can all do in conversation. Yeah, I'm going great. Or, oh, yeah, no, no, one of my kids is really, really sick. I'd like you to pray for them. Right, bang. There's an opening. Let's pray. Let's be a blessing to our community. Our labor or your job or how's it going at school, your labor, the things you do, the things that take up your time in your life. How's your work going? I'm going good at work, but I've got this guy at work, and he's just a real annoying guy, and I've just, I think I'm going to leave on it, you know. Suddenly we can actually minister. How about I pray for that? E, what about, what about their emotions, you know? Straight away, if they're talking about their partner or this is happening and they don't understand, and you get to the part where their emotions are evolved, everybody has emotions. We can connect with their soul. And their emotions, their mind, their will, their emotions, and we can minister to them. God wants to send us out to minister in our community. And so we can use that, B-L-E-S, social. What do you do for the social part of your life? So if I'm talking to someone, I might, could be a businessman or anything. I, a couple of times I went through this just on the street, ended up talking to someone for 10 minutes. So then I'd say, well, what do you do for the social part of your life? You know, oh, I might play golf or I do this, do that. Oh, that's interesting. And then the other S is spiritual. So what do you do for the spiritual part of your life? Now, a survey's been done even locally that it's in the 90, I think it's 92 or 94% of people that were asked if they, their um, spiritual side of their life is important, they said yes. Now, that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, as I found out in asking this question. So there was a, a couple of guys I asked... Um, what do you do for the spiritual side of your life? They'd say, well, I just sit up on the hill and there's a stream that goes down and I just sit out there with a beer or something and, and just enjoy the scenery. And that's, that's their spirit. So you actually, it actually opens up a whole lot about a person and how they think just by simply asking questions. 
And you can bless someone. Everybody wants to be heard. People love talking about themselves rather than have you, sitting there listening to you talk about yourself. So I found this has been good for me because generally I didn't have too much trouble talking about myself. And God's... <laughs> now, you're not really supposed to laugh at that point. Come on. That's not fair. Come on. No, no. But, but I found this has helped me to talk about the other person, to start to listen, to start to hear what's going on in their lives. And you don't need to turn around and say, well, you're on your way to hell. You need to be saved. You, you know, Jesus died for you. You know, it's not about that. It's about getting to understand where they're at in life, coming alongside them, being a friend. That's how Jesus did it. He talked about everyday things. He blessed people. People came in contact with him, and then they marveled at all the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. It was natural, but it was supernaturally natural. And that's what God wants for our community. And so you can go out and bless somebody simply in conversation. Just be there for a listening ear. There's so many lonely, hurting people, confused people out there. If you think they've got it all together, well, think again. Think again. It might look that way on the outside. But think again. Bless somebody. Body, their labor, their emotions, their social life, their spiritual. You might start talking about their social life. It doesn't necessarily need to be in that order. So I want to leave that with you just as some keys maybe to reach out to our community, to love on others. But remember, Christ is passionate about the church. And that involves not only those who are in here, that involves and those who are born again, but it involves the soon-to-be-born-again ones as well. The angels of God are already being sent out. The ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. Praise God. Thank you, Reuben.